This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. everybody to our next installment of our podcast here at Motive Partners and Motive Labs. Here we have Henry Richot, the former CEO of Deutsche Bank. Thank you very much, Alberto. It's great to be back again. Thank, ah, you. thank you for being here. So, Henry, we were talking about this new product that uh, we're actually launching. is a spin-off of the work that uh, we did at Motive Labs with our member banks. And it's the Universal Sandbox, also known as the ABA, the API Banking Accelerator, TLAs. But let's call it the Universal Sandbox. So let's use the three-letter acronyms, the TLAs. <laughs> that'll help me quite a bit. Now, the, the Universal Sandbox concept, I think, has a lot of merit. But why don't you describe it a little bit more, and then we can talk about Yeah, the, so the, the Universal Sandbox was uh, coming from the idea of... Uh, how do we harness the power of all these developers that are out there and they would like to create, quote-unquote, apps that work in financial services and that access as many banks as possible? That's why we call it universal. It's a bit what happened with the iPhone that opened up the opportunity to all these developers to create apps that worked on the phone that people hadn't even thought about. And so how do you harness the power of this? And so we created this universal sandbox that allows people to write apps that work on a number of banks, which are members, and that all of a sudden they can test it on test data that are quote-unquote real-looking test data generated by the sandbox. And then once they've been approved and once their value has been proven, they can automatically switch onto real-real data from clients. So it's really a jump ahead of what's going on in the financial services. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think my observation would be that banks historically have created their own sort of closed systems and a move of this sort to open up the banking environment to a whole range of concepts, applications we haven't even considered yet is a brilliant move. I've not seen anything like that yet in the industry. In fact, I think banks struggle because there has not been a standard. And I look at my own experience in Europe as an example. Around PSD2, we're about to see literally thousands of banks under law forced to open up to external data providers, analyzers, and payments companies. Yet there is no standard around what an API should look like. Many of the banks haven't created it yet. Those banks that have, you know, have used their own interpretation of the law to implement their own standards. This is not a situation that is sustainable in the longer term. Yeah, and I also noticed, and I'm sure you noticed too, there's a lot of, some ways banks have abdicated definition of standards to third-party companies, startups Startup. of some sorts. I mean, I, you know, I love, I spend a lot of time with startups and I love that uh, part of what I do. But I think, as you point out, using the word abrogation, it is really silly for the largest banks in the world to say, not my problem, somebody else should go develop the standard. I mean, that that is just not a responsible approach to long-term ecosystem management. Yeah. And that's what we've done in the ecosystem of Motive Labs, together with our banks that work with us. We have been 
creating the standard and uh, deploying it and giving them the opportunity to have test and connection to the real systems under full control. And I think at the same time, for developers out there that come up with ideas that, as we were saying, nobody thought about, the ability to not have to be bothered with complicated parts or having to reinvent the wheel every time and having a set of toolkits to do ALM, to do KYC, to do all these things. I think it's going to unleash a tremendous opportunity for new creativity. It frees up smaller companies, actually, to focus on the user experience, the application itself, as opposed to where I think a lot of smaller companies are spending almost too much of their time now, which is on customer acquisition, particularly when it comes to dealing with larger financial institutions. That customer acquisition process can take 80 to 24 months or longer, right? And so creating that sandbox that you described, Alberto, I think will actually speed up the implementation time and allow different experts to really focus in on what they can do best, as opposed to worrying about how they actually get a really good product or a really good user experience implemented into a particular bank. So I think it's a really great step forward for the industry, and it's one which I hope we'll see a lot of other banks jump in and adopt. You see, a lot of banks have done their own sandbox that is kind of on their own website, and you can download the API and everything. But if you're a developer, you can either develop your application for that particular bank and then port it to another bank and do another bank, or go directly to the universal sandbox and be able to do... Look, it's the banking version of open source code in some ways. And I think if we can keep that opportunity to join that universal sandbox open to all and curate the processes around it well, it'll be a great long-term investment for the banking industry. And what other challenges do you see in banking the next year? Well, look, I think this issue of deciding where as a bank to focus efforts, I think, is really important. It gets to the core of a strategy of a bank. If the world becomes much more open sourced and banking becomes a set of APIs, which one do you really focus on, I think becomes you know, a highly relevant topic. And so the opportunity to use the mentality that we're creating around the universal sandbox to create long-term value in a very clear and strategic way for banks, I think is quite impactful. And what do you think in the capital markets space? If you were to think of the biggest challenges. The capital market space now has become highly, highly capital intensive and extremely specialized. And therefore, the implementation of new technologies, new ideas, takes a lot longer, I think, than when I was growing up in the industries in the 80s and the the 90s. That process of of creative destruction, which I've seen in retail banking, transaction banking, you know, certain aspects of the processes around settlement, I haven't seen really come to fruition yet in the sales and trading space, in the capital market space. I think that will change. We're seeing some notable developments, certainly in the processing of capital markets transactions. The use of blockchain there, I think, could re-revolutionize a lot of the middle and back-end processes that we have within the capital market space. But a lot of my commentary at the beginning of your question response was, was around the front office capital market structures. 
Shorter term, I think there's a lot of incremental changes to the user experience that can be built into, say, the equity IPO process or the debt issuance process. I think longer term, there's a tremendous opportunity to tokenize individual securities and to strip out of the trading process itself and, of course, the middle and back office processes. A lot of the decades of infrastructure that's been built up around the standards for how you settle U.S. government bonds or how you settle Japanese government bonds or how you settle U.S. equities, right? If you think about the number of countries and the number of uh, markets and then think exponentially about the complexity, imagine how expensive it is to continue to use the current processes to trade every single government bond market on God's green earth, mm-hmm. right? Or to trade every single equity market on God's green earth. But by creating certain standards around tokenization of assets and turning bonds, swaps, and other instruments into tokens, I think will speed up the process of trading those securities will speed up the price discovery process, will speed up the settlement process, will be able to trade smart contracts around it and so on and so forth. I think that's a big, big source of innovation and efficiency over the next 20 years. And I think also in terms of big driver of innovation, there's the work in terms of creating a centralized ledger, for instance, for the FX market, like this company I know you're familiar with <laughs> called... Uh, Cobalt. Yes. Um, it's, uh, Cobalt is one of my favorite firms, and I'm closely advising them. I think that this combination of subject matter expertise around a particular market, in the case of Cobalt, it's foreign exchange, combined with applying distributed ledger technology to create one golden record of the truth that people can share where they are given the right permissions, can drive reporting in a very consistent way, whether that reporting has to do with internal market risk or credit risk or financial accounting or regulatory reporting. And that single source of truth driving all of those systems of record creates a tremendous efficiency in the way in which the industry can trade with itself. We always know what two counterparties' positions are and the way in which the industry can internally create the most efficient processes around their reporting. And also to just go back to the concept of uh, having a, a new central point to create new applications that I haven't even thought about, the fact of having a central ledger with all the effects transactions could unleash the opportunity to create new things and new functions and new that now we haven't thinking about. It enables, for example, set-offs between different counterparties. I mean, this concept of a centralized ledger, which is then only open to counterparties who need to open it, means that it's centralized but distributed, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, one of the greatest innovations since double-entry bookkeeping in Italy and, yes. uh, you know, in the Middle Ages. So, um, so I think we're just scratching the surface of what can be done with this new approach to technology. Yeah, fantastic. Well, as always, fascinating talking to you, Henry. Thank you thank very you much. Thank you, Roberto. And, Great uh, being here again. I don't know. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you. Thank you Bye. very much for your time. Bye-bye now. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. 
The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Motive Partners. Motive Partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by Motive Partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry, the economy, motive partners, or motive partners' investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax, or other professional advice, or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.